And this is Dan. Together we pastor Hope Culture Church in Elgin, Illinois. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Battle ready, let's go. Does that get you pumped up every week? I'm like, I'm ready to fight. Battle ready, all that armor. Man, I hope that this message series has been speaking to you. We've been in a series on battle ready from Ephesians chapter six, and it's been encouraging me, and I hope it's been encouraging you. I've heard some stories from you all about um, how the different weeks have spoken and ministered to you specifically, Um, and I love that. I love that, and I want us as a church to be battle ready. We really believe that we are in a war spiritually, and as Christians, we need to armor up and be ready for anything that we might face. As we face opposition, God gives us everything that we need in Christ Jesus. And so I'm going to go ahead and read our scripture for this series. It's found in Ephesians 6, and I'm going to start in verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We're going to talk about the helmet of salvation today. And before we do, I just want to pause and pray. Will you pray with me? God, I pray that you would speak to us through your word this morning. I pray that as we reflect on the helmet of salvation, that you would do something inside of our minds, God, that you would transform our minds, that you would bring renewal and healing, that we would really be people who are wearing the helmet of salvation and using it as our guard and protection, God. I thank you for your word and that it speaks to us today, and we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So today we're talking about the helmet of salvation, and it's technically the last piece of armor in Ephesians 6, because next time we're going to talk about the sword, which isn't a piece of armor. It's more of a weapon, and so this is that last piece of armor in our Battle Ready series, and helmets have been a part of culture for thousands of years. Helmets have been used to provide protection for years, and really when we look back, I can't even find when the very beginning of helmets occurred, but it has been for a very long time, except for a little moment in time in like the 1980s or 90s when no one was wearing a helmet. If you were a kid in the 80s, like no one was wearing a helmet like they do nowadays. We're all fitting our kids with helmets. I don't even wear a helmet when I ride a bike. I really should. I was reading studies about how effective helmets are, like practically speaking. And so just my encouragement for you today, wear a helmet in the physical and in the spiritual because it really helps protect your head. Um, Helmets protect the crucial part of your body, which is the brain. 
It's one of the most important pieces of armor. We have many different types of helmets. There's bike helmets, motorcycle helmets, there's construction helmets, uh, military helmets. Uh, According to a U.S. study, helmets cut the risk of severe traumatic brain injury by half. That's, that's what convicted me, that, that study right there. I'm like, I should probably buy a helmet. Um, the report in American Journal of Surgery also concluded that riders with helmets are 44% less, less likely to die from their injury and 31% less likely to break facial bones. So helmets are really, really important. I was processing helmets, and I was thinking about how when we watch movies or TV shows, so often the hero depicted in the movie or show does not wear a helmet. Do you guys notice this? They don't wear a helmet, even though it is one of the most important pieces of armor. And I think it kind of gives the impression that real heroes can do without a helmet. But the helmet is the most important piece of personal armor, I think, ever invented, maybe besides the shield. But because the skull and brain are highly vulnerable to all kinds of weapons or blows. So the Apostle Paul here is writing our scripture in Ephesians. And so we know that in his time, the helmet that he'd be referring to would be of a Roman soldier. And so I found a picture of it online. It looks kind of like that. That would be what a helmet, the helmet that Paul is uh, picturing when he's writing this. Um, And I think the helmet that... Um, the soldier is wearing, it provides two things for the soldier. It provides, number one, identity. So the red mohawk that you see on the top identified actually who the individual was, what rank that they were in, what area that they fought in. Um, It was a distinct mark of the Roman soldier. So it provided identity for them. And then the second thing, obviously, was safety for the brain. Um, You know, obviously, if you get hit in the head, it's all over. And they needed that protection in, um, uh, over their brain. And so the, the helmet was made of brass or bronze. And so the armor would actually be strong enough to withstand impact. And so the helmet provided those two things, identity and safety for the Roman soldier. And I think both of these are important for us today as we reflect on the helmet of salvation. We need identity and safety in our salvation. And so what would provide identity and safety for the believer. What provides those two things is salvation. And I believe that's why Paul called this helmet the helmet of salvation. When we look at the Greek word for salvation, it means sozo. And um, that means to be saved, healed, delivered. When you hear the word salvation, you might think of just the word saved, or I'm not sure what comes to your mind when you think of salvation. But saved, healed, delivered, made well, it's a beautiful word, and it has a a depth of meaning there. And I think it's such a a beautiful word for us to ponder as we think about the helmet of salvation. And really, it's God's power that does this. We can't do this on our own. It's God's power that transforms us through salvation. And that's good news for you and I today because he does it all. He's in the business of saving, healing, delivering, and making you well. You can't do this on your own. It's all up to God. Um, And you know what? We're going to celebrate just that later today with baptisms. They've experienced this. They've experienced the the saving, the healing, the delivering made well, and they're going to go public with that today. And that's something worth celebrating. So when you put on the helmet of salvation, 
Here's what it does. It provides the Christian with identity and salvation in Jesus Christ. We know that this helmet is for believers because we know that Paul is actually writing to believers. So if you're here and you're like, oh, she's going to talk about the helmet of salvation. I'm already saved, so I don't, I'm good. I have that on already. Well, Paul is actually speaking to believers. So we realize that this is something in addition to that moment that you've been saved. There's an assumption that you already have been saved in your spirit. You're already already fitted with uh, the belt, the breastplate, the, the sandals, the shield, and now you're putting on this last thing. You're putting on the helmet of salvation. So there's an, there's an assumption that Paul isn't referring to that initial salvation that happens when you made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe for you, you were in a service like this, and God just stirred in your heart, and you raised your hand. And you're like, I'm going to make a decision to follow Jesus, and it was a moment for you, maybe when you were young or maybe more recently. That moment, you're, you entered into salvation of your spirit. That original salvation that happened in your spirit needs to affect the rest of your body. It needs to affect your mind and your soul. And so there's a process here of taking that next step, which is part of our mission statement, taking your next step in following Jesus. There's a process here from that first moment when you made a decision where your spirit was saved, that your mind, will, and emotion needs to follow uh, that initial salvation. I believe that's what Paul is talking about here, that there's an aspect of working it out. Um, how many of you know that? The moment you got saved, not everything changed. You might have still um, had the same thought life or the same habits, the same patterns in your life. And you know that God loves you so much, but he loves you too much to keep you that way. He wants you to change. There's a process here after that initial salvation. And so I believe that there needs to be a spiritual transformation of your mind. I believe that if you're having trouble at all controlling your body or will, even though you are saved, it could be because your mind hasn't caught up yet. And salvation of your spirit, we know it's automatic. It happens automatically when you say yes to Jesus. But the salvation of your mind, will, and emotions needs to be continually worked out. And we find this idea from Paul when he writes in Philippians 2.12. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Here it is. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So he's not talking about the salvation of your spirit because we know you receive salvation by grace through faith. So there's no way that you could work it out so that you could get more saved in your spirit. Once you give your life to Christ, you can't get more saved than you are in that moment. So that's good news. We're, we have security in Jesus Christ. So what is he talking about? I believe we need to let our salvation affect the rest of us. It's like the children of Israel. They were in Egypt for 400 years, and then they got delivered, and they left Egypt. But Egypt didn't leave them. They still wanted to go back to their old ways. They still wanted to go back to their old habits and, and hang-ups. And it's like that maybe for you. Maybe that's happened for you where you gave your life to Jesus, but then nothing happened. And I think a lot of people stop short and go, well, I put my trust in Jesus, so that's it. You kind of check the box, like, I, I chose to follow him. And then they, 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 you might stop letting it affect who you are. And we don't want that. We want it to continually affect who we are as believers, taking our next step in following Jesus and allowing the salvation to change who we are. So I believe you need the helmet of salvation, every single one of us, myself included.
Okay, so here's why. I've heard it said this way. Why does the helmet of salvation matter? Because our mind matters so much. Do you guys know our mind matters and what you think matters? So I've heard this quote I love. It says, where the mind goes, the man follows. Where the mind goes, the man follows. I believe that's so true that our mind really directs the trajectory of our life. If you want to control your flesh, if you need to first control your mind, your mind is so important. The battle is not in your flesh. It's in what you're thinking. Your thought life matters so much. And so I think oftentimes our thought life is actually something that gets us in trouble Sometimes in the, Christian, in the Christian walk, I think so often a lot of us deal with a negative thought life. Um, and a psychologist talks about it this way. Um, she said, we're all prone to making thinking errors that tend toward the negative. She calls it negative bias override. And I think so often where, when it comes to um, the space in our mind, we can defer more towards negative thinking than we do towards what is good and love and true. Um, the psychologist called it stinking thinking. And I think that might stick with us a little bit today. Stinking thinking. And it's relatable. We all have it. It creeps in for all of us. It might sound something like, I'm never going to find a spouse. I've been looking and it's just not going to happen for me. I'm never going to find that dream job. It just isn't going to happen to me. I'm never going to. You fill in the blank. Or I'm always going to fill in the blank. And this just happens. This, this cycle of just a negative bias override. Maybe it's our fallen nature, our depraved mind, but it's just how our minds work. We tend towards the negative in our mind, that stinking thinking, and we've all been there. And um, there's this quote by um, this uh, musician. His name is Butch Hancock. He said it like this, uh, my mind's got a mind of its own. It takes me out a walking when I'd rather stay home. Takes me out to parties when I'd rather be alone. My mind's got a mind of its own. And sometimes we allow our mind to go further than we'd actually like. And our thought life matters so, so much. And we need to be aware as Christians of this stinking thinking in our minds. It comes when... We least expect it, and it can come out of nowhere, and I believe it affects the trajectory of our life. That's why the Bible says it this way. Uh, Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you're angry with your habits, if you're angry with the trajectory of your life, start with your mind, start with your thought life. So what do we do with all of the stinking thinking in our life? Well, here's what scripture says in 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Um, I have three kids. My husband, we have three kids, two boys and a girl. Our youngest is a four-year-old, and she just turned four. So I f still feel like we're in the toddler stage. I know we're, we're out of it now, but there are moments when she has meltdowns. I think she's having one this morning. I was, like, worried Dan's not going to come back to service. I'm like, I'm going to do highlights, too. She's freaking out. Anyways, we all have been there if you're a parent where your child freaks out. My child does this, and I don't say, well, you just 
have your way, child of mine. I'm just going to let it go. You can run uh, wild or wreak havoc at, at Target or in the grocery store. You can open that bag of Twizzlers here. No, I don't let her do that, right? I take captive my child. And I'm like, no, you will not do that here. And that's what we need to do with our thoughts that go run wild and wreak havoc in our minds. We need to take them captive, as scriptures say, and not allow those thoughts to have real estate in our minds. You take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You say, no, not in my house, not in my mind. I will not allow uh, that thought life to affect me and um, my mind. I think your thought life matters so much. I hope it matters to you and I know it matters to God. Uh, Another pastor said it this way, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Our thought life matters so much. Um, and I believe if you don't like the direction that your life is going, then you need to start thinking about your thoughts and start taking some thoughts captive and not letting them run wild in your mind. How we think and talk to ourselves determines often how we feel and act. A good indicator of if you need to, you know, take some thoughts captive is when you kind of start complaining about the things that were blessing years ago. When you start to complain about the things that you prayed for years ago, maybe you were praying for a spouse and that was an answer to prayer in your 21 days of prayer and fasting. And then now it's easy to complain about that same answer to prayer. Maybe it's with a child, the child that you pleaded with God for. And then it's easy to just slip into that negative thinking Maybe it's the job that you desperately needed and and you got, and now it has become a source of um, just stinking thinking in your mind. We need to just be aware of our thought life and take control of our thoughts and really put on this helmet of salvation. I believe that you can redeem your mind and watch what it does as it affects the rest of your body. As a man thinks, so is he. Paul wrote Romans 12.2, which I love, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his perfect, good, pleasing, and perfect will. His good, pleasing, perfect will. I don't know about you, but I want to know what God's will is for my, for my life. And we see here in Scripture that it actually starts in the mind. When we want to learn what God's will is for our life, we have to let God transform the way that we think so that we can test what God's will is. So I want to help you kind of put on the helmet today with two things. And we always like to get really practical here at Hope Culture Church. Pastor Dan has done just an incredible job in this series of really talking about what does this mean to put on the belt, the sandals, the breastplate, to take up the shield. What does that really mean like for us in our lives? How do we practically do that? And so I want to help us just practically put on the helmet today. And I just believe just in faith that something could happen today that will transform your thinking and change the way that you view your thought life and change even the way that you picture the helmet of salvation. Um, And so that's my prayer for you today. So the first thing is I want you to think differently about who you are. Think differently about who you are. The helmet that the Romans wore signified identity. The enemy always wants to attack who you are. The enemy wants to come after who you are. He's not threatened by who you were. He's not threatened by your past. He's threatened by your future. 
by your potential because he knows the potential that lies within you as a believer. He knows already the power that is within you because of what Jesus paid for on the cross. All glory to Jesus. So he knows who you are and he wants to confuse you about who you are. He wants to bring confusion and chaos so that you will be confused about who you are and therefore you'll be confused about what you should do. The enemy knows the power uh, that you have in Jesus Christ. So think differently about who you are. Remember who you are. Don't let culture tell you who you are. Don't let your past tell you who you are. Don't let your friends that knew you before you knew Jesus Christ tell you who you are. Um, Allow Jesus Christ to tell you who you are. I think a lot of us really um, have been given labels in our life. Uh, Maybe you've experienced this by culture or by friends. Maybe in your upbringing you kind of had a label that maybe you put on yourself or that others put on you. Um, I remember for me, um, in I think it was early high school, um, my parents signed me up for an elective um, speech class. Um, they elected the elective. I did not elect to be in speech class. Um, they elected that for me, and I was so nervous about it. At that time, I would have probably said that I was shy and definitely adverse to public speaking. Um, I had a ton of anxiety um, going into, anxiety wasn't something I struggled with, but going to speech class it was. I was like, guys, my mom and dad, do I really have to do this? Um, And I got into the speech class and discovered that we would be giving a speech every single week for the entire semester in front of the class. And so Uh, something that I had struggled with in that time period of my life was just I was very adverse to speaking um, in a a group in front of a lot of people. Um, Whenever I was like called out to say something in a larger group, um, I would get like anxious. I'd feel it in my chest. My cheeks would get red and I would just feel that anxiety. Um, And public speaking was absolutely something that I was afraid of. And so I had kind of labeled myself as like, maybe shy, maybe like uh, definitely adverse to public speaking is definitely not something that I'll ever be doing with my life. Um, And through the course of this semester, and honestly to the credit of an amazing teacher, um, that label kind of broke off for me and she encouraged me, my teacher did, and just spoke really lovingly and encouraging to to me just about um, what she saw. And so that label fell off. But if I would have kept that label... um, on me for longer than that, I think it would have really stopped or hindered the path that God had me on in ministry and the opportunities that he presented um, in the future. And I think so often that can happen to us individually. There could be a label that you've put on yourself or that someone else has put on you that will limit you or has limited you in doing what God has called you to do. And I just want to speak to that for a moment. Maybe there's a label that was put on you when you were young or maybe even more recently. Maybe you were known as the quiet one or the class clown or um, whatever it might be. And I, I think that those labels will limit us from doing what we're called to do. We need to think differently about who you are. And this is not a new thing. This idea of labels is not a new thing. We actually see it throughout scripture. People in scripture were always identified by their issue. Have you noticed this? There's the woman with the issue of blood. We don't know her name. We just know her issue. How horrible, right? To be known as the woman with the issue of blood. Can you imagine she's identified by this label, by this issue? Or blind Bartimaeus. 
It's not just Bartimaeus who is also blind, unfortunately. It's blind Bartimaeus. That's how he's um, known in scripture. That's how he was known um, in his community. It's the guy who can't see. Can you imagine being the blind Bartimaeus? That's just who he is and everyone knows you're the guy who can't see. Uh, It was culture during that time to constantly identify people by their issue. But then Jesus came along and he really changed the game. And I believe he can do that in your life as well. He can change your name and he can take off the label and rename you. We see this with Peter in the Bible. He's one of the disciples. He established the church and his name actually gets changed. He was originally named Simon. And Simon in the Greek actually means snubbed nose. Um, Some people actually believe that he might have had a deformed nose um, when he was born, and they named him that as a baby. Can you imagine if we named all of our children by what they looked like when they were born? So he was named snub nose or flat nose, it also means. And so all growing up, he's known as the guy with the snub nose, which is horrible. But Jesus comes along, and he changes his name to Peter, which in the Greek means rock. Jesus is speaking a new identity over him. He's saying, you are Peter. You are the rock. You will signify strength. Um, You're going to be stronger than you think you are. You're going to be solid. And I just love that so much, church, that God can come in and speak a new name over you and replace whatever label that has been put on you or that you put on yourself. And he can say, you're stronger than you think you are. You are a child of God. That's not who I see you as. And you can let go of the old name and come into a new name and really identify yourself in Jesus Christ. And that's what the helmet of salvation does is we can identify ourselves like a Roman soldier did as he identified with his army. We identify ourselves with Jesus Christ and say, that's not who I am. I'm a child of God. And the helmet of salvation reminds us of our identity. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And I don't know what you've been called in your past. I don't know what names you've been called or what labels have been put on you. But Jesus comes and he has a new identity for you today. Maybe the label is divorced or bankrupt or fired, or you fill in the blank, and God can come in and say, that's not who you are. I see you as more than that. I see you as someone who is chosen and redeemed, a child of God, a son, a daughter, a person who's transformed, who's healed, who's gifted, who's an overcomer, who's called, who's forgiven, appointed, anointed, commissioned, set free. That's how God sees you. And when we put on this helmet of salvation, we need to remind ourselves of just that. We're not who the world defines us as. We're not who uh, we define ourselves as sometimes or the enemy. We are fitted with the helmet of salvation as children of God. And we need to remind ourselves of who we really are. We need to think differently about who we are. And the second thing is, this is the last thing, we need to think differently about what you do. Think differently about what you do. 
Now, it's not just about who we are. It's about what we do. Action matters so much to God. We need to think differently than the world does. The scriptures are always countercultural. They're always going to transform what we think and why we think it. And when we follow the way of Jesus, you will start to look different than the world around you. I think what you do matters. I think there's a right and a wrong way to do things. For instance, toilet paper. There is a right and a wrong way, church, to hang your toilet paper roll. Amen. I hope you're all saying over because in this house, we will serve the Lord by hanging our toilet paper over. Okay, that is what we do in my house. And I hope that as Hope Culture Church, we together will we'll hang our toilet. There's a right and a wrong way to do things. There's also a right and a wrong way to cut a sandwich. Church, there is a right and a wrong way. When you cut the sandwich on a diagonal, you will get optimal enjoyment. You're going to have an amazing experience when you cut your sandwich on a diagonal. Google it. Google says that is right. And as for Hope Culture Church, we will cut our sandwiches that way. Some of you are like, nope, I will not. And I'm like, well, too bad. I have the microphone, so I'm going to say that is correct. And that's how we'll cut our sandwiches. There's a right and a wrong way. But what you do matters. What you do matters. There's a right and a wrong way to do things. I think we have to think differently about what we do that is contrary to the world around us. And you might wonder, well, why does God care so much about what I do? He's always worried about what I do. I have to do, 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 do. I have to do certain things correctly. Why does he, why does he care so much about what you do? Well, I don't think God is trying to control you. I think God is trying to free you. I think God wants to bring you optimal freedom. It's like this. If you imagine a train, it is, the train is going to move fastest and most gracefully when it's on the tracks, right? If you take a train off the tracks, it is not going to move. It's not going to move at the speed at which it was intended for. And I believe as believers, when we're on track, on the right track, in God's will, in God's best for our lives, like a train, we will move at optimal speed, at the speed at which God intended for us. When we live inside of God's best for our lives, that is the best place that you can be. And God has a way that he wants us to think. He, he lays it out in Philippians 4, which I'm going to read in just a second. But I believe that when it comes to our thought life, God's optimal, his, just the tracks that he wants us to be on is found right here in Philippians. And this is part of putting on the helmet of salvation, just being really practical. I want us to think differently about what we do. And I want us to think differently about how we think. And so we're going to find in Philippians 4 verse 8 through 9 how God wants us to do that. And honestly, this is an incredible scripture that I encourage you to memorize. I have this one memorized, and it's a great one to pull out when some of those negative thoughts come in, when that stinking thinking comes. Pull out this one as kind of a weapon against that. It says, Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, what's the opposite of true? False. We're not going to think about things that are false or untrue. We're going to think about whatever is true, whatever is noble. What's the opposite of noble? Undignified, sleazy. We're not going to think about that. We're going to think about what's noble, whatever is right. What's the opposite of right? Wrong. We're going to think about what is right. We're going to think about whatever is pure, 
What's the opposite of pure? Impure, trashy, whatever is lovely. What's the opposite of lovely? Hate or hate-filled. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. What's the opposite of admirable? Dishonor. Dishonoring culture, dishonoring each other. We're going to think about what's admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy. What's the opposite of excellent or praiseworthy? Gossip, slander, tearing people down, taking those negative thoughts captive. We're going to make them obedient to Christ. We're going to think about what is excellent and praiseworthy. We're going to think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and catch this. And the peace of God will be with you. And the peace of God will be with you. This is so practical, church. Whenever we get into stinking thinking, we need to take out this scripture and say, no, I am a child of God. I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation. I'm going to think about whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. I'm going to think about those things, not the things that are false or dishonoring or hate-filled. I'm going to think about the things that God wants me to think about. I'm going to take some thoughts captive and make them open obedient to Christ and replace them with what God wants me to think about. And then what comes is just an added bonus. It's just a gift to us as believers is we get the peace of God. And I think so often we struggle with anxiety or lack of peace in our lives and it often occurs from our thought life. It often comes from a place of just stinking thinking. Your, your anxiety level will grow at the level of your stinking thinking. They just go hand in hand. And when we're able to say, no, I'm going to take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I'm going to think about these things found in Philippians 4, 8 through 9. It changes the game. It changes everything. I believe that God wants to transform our minds and make them obedient to Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, Who has the, known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And that's what I want for us as a church, that as we put on the helmet of salvation, we actually start to begin to have the mind of Christ. I believe as believers, our thought life should look really different than those who are in Christ. Because we have access to something that Jesus paid for. You as a believer have access to be able to put on the helmet of salvation and say, I think differently than the world. I it's countercultural. It's not normal. And it might, it might bump up in your, so, in your social circles when everyone else wants to talk about the tea and they want to gossip. They want to talk about whatever it is. You can say, you know, I'm actually going to not participate in that kind of thinking. I'm going to talk about these things. And there are, and I'm not saying... I hope you hear me. I'm not saying we don't talk about the hard things or that there aren't thoughts that are painful that come in. We're able, though, to filter it all through the helmet of salvation. And I think it's a powerful, powerful tool that not every Christian taps into, but we can do it as a church. And it just starts with a mindset shift. We can shift our mindsets. And so I'm going to just give you six mindset shifts. And if you're a note taker, just write these down. And then we're going to pray together. And we're going to just declare freedom in our minds and a transformed mind in this house. So here's six mindset shifts that's for every believer. Here's number one. I'm not living for self. I'm living to serve. When you get this mindset, I'm not living for myself, I'm living to serve. When you get a mindset where I'm not living um, self-focused, I'm living to outward towards other people, it changes everything. Number two, I'm not holding a grudge. I forgive quickly. I know everyone just says I deserve to be mad, but I'm not going to. 
I'm going to forgive quickly. I'm going to release that debt. I'm not holding a grudge. It's not who I am. Number three, I'm not managing sin. I'm walking in freedom. We're going to be people who live the same way on Friday night as we do on Sunday night, as we do on Wednesday, as we do on Monday morning. We're going to be people without cognitive dissonance. We're going to be people who live lives of integrity. We're not managing sin. We're walking in freedom and in integrity. That's who we are. Number four, I'm not alone. I don't know if someone's told you that you're alone or that the enemy has isolated you to make you feel like you're alone. But in this church, you are not alone. You're a vital part of the family of God. It's a mindset shift. Don't let the enemy tell you that you're alone. Not here. You're not alone here. I'm not alone. Number five, I'm not looking at people as my problem. I'm looking at people as my purpose. People are my purpose. And you know what? People will come and they will hurt you, but that's not your problem. Your problem is not found in other people. You're gonna be able to look at people around you and view them as your purpose, just the way that Jesus did. He came here to seek and save the lost and that's what we do as well. Number six, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. I'm just getting started. I don't know what the enemy has told you. If your mindset is like you're ready to throw in the towel, you're ready to give up, Today, I want you to put on the helmet of salvation and say, I'm just getting started. My best days are not behind me, they're in front of me. I have the salvation found in Jesus Christ. I have hope in my spirit, something to look forward to. I'm not giving up. I need a mindset shift today. And I'm praying all these things over you, church. I believe that if we change our thinking and, and run all our thoughts through the helmet of salvation, the lens of scripture, some transformation might happen today. I believe as a church, if we're going to be battle ready, we need to be people who conquer the battle in our minds and have a healthy, thriving thought life and look different than the rest of the world and get away from that stinking thinking. And so I'm going to pray for all of us, church, that for those of you who you've already made a decision, a decision to follow Jesus Christ, and now you're working out that salvation. We're working towards um, working out our salvation in our minds. It's just another step and we never stop taking those steps. I'm gonna pray for you, church. And if you wouldn't mind just putting your hand on your head, if you're like, I need a transformation in my mind. My thought life has not been what I want it to. I've gotten lost in the trail of negative thinking and I need to come back. This is just for you. We're gonna pray right now and we're just gonna put our hands on our head. God, Jesus, we thank you that by your transforming power that you can change our mindsets to be aligned with Jesus Christ, that we don't have to have stinking thinking or negative thoughts, that we can actually come into alignment with the good news of Jesus Christ and with what was paid for on the cross. So I pray for all the believers in the room who are ready to take up that helmet of salvation. I pray for transformed minds in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would take away that anxiety that has flooded their minds because the level of their negative thought patterns has exceeded a level it has never meant to go. God, I pray for those that are struggling in the room and saying maybe one of those things where, where they're like, I am, I am ready to throw in the towel or I have been holding a grudge or I have been feeling alone. God, we just pray against the enemy's schemes to, to breathe lies into our minds. God, I pray for just a protection. I thank you that the helmet of salvation offers safety, a, a protection over our minds. Lord God, I pray for healing in our minds. I pray you bring healing to those 
who are hung up in a cycle of pain in their minds, Lord God. I pray for those who struggled with depression and thought that they always will. I pray you'd bring breakthrough, Lord God, in that thought pattern that thinks that they will always, always deal with depression or maybe it's pain, whatever it is, God. We just pray for breakthrough right now in Jesus' name, a transformed mind. We thank you that all this is found in Christ Jesus, that you're able to renew our minds. I pray you'd empower your people to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I pray that this week they would see a real change that when that negative comment comes from their coworker or when their spouse says something that bothers them, I pray that they would take it their thought captive, God, that they would say, no, I can make that obedient to Christ. That doesn't have to affect me the same way. I'm fitted with the helmet of salvation that is my identity and my protection. I have everything I need in Christ Jesus and I can make that thought obedient to Christ. I thank you that by your will, by your spirit, we're empowered to do these things. I pray that in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear about what God is doing in your life. To share your story or a prayer request, simply hit contact on our website. You can also support the ministry of Hope Culture Church by visiting hopeculturechurch.com give. We hope you have a great week.